And we introduced a perspective that we want to, to walk out in continuation. There are these seasons that we, uh, that we hit, seasons that we focus on. And in these seasons, it's a really uh, interesting element of what we're trying to accomplish. We've come out of a series, but we're in season now. And um, the season really becomes where we look at a progression of Scripture. Our goal as a church family, and we're just trying to learn what God wants from church. I think it's really important that we step back and we ask questions, like why do we do what we do? And do we continue doing what we've always done? And if we do, how do we help everybody understand why it's important? And so, uh, you know, coming together, gathering together, forsaking not the assembly, we know it's important that we gather together. They met house to house. We know it's important that we get in relationship with each other on a personal level. It's what our community group structure is about. But it's not about the structure. It's about the connection, about the relationship. And our objective is not to line you up with, you know, some, some uh, quality music and then an inspirational speaker. And, you know, our goal here is not to help anybody fall in love with any speaker our goal is to help everybody here fall in love with the Savior. And we want you to have your own relationship with Jesus, okay? We don't want you just to have your relationship with church, and you came, did your church, and then you show up in a few weeks and come back and do your church. We want you to have your own relationship with God. We want you to have your own relationship with God's Word. And listen, think about this. You can, be careful, because you can actually grow in the knowledge of Scripture without growing in the knowledge of God. And the Bible says that we're to grow in the knowledge of God. Even in our study of Scripture, the only reason we have Scripture is because God's trying to reveal who He is. And so it's a really interesting take, and what we've been looking at is where Jesus is in the Bible, and that's where we want to pick up here. We're going into a really strong focus of, of uh, just restoration. But Jesus in the Bible is where we find Jesus in every book. He said Himself in John chapter 5, verse 39, Jesus said, you search the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life. I'm just going to tell you right now, the scriptures do not give you eternal life. <laughs> Jesus gives you eternal life. The scriptures are a very important part of your life, and we're trying to learn more about that. But, but let's be clear. Jesus said, you search the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life, but the scriptures point to me. The scriptures point to Jesus. Would you say that with me? The scripture points to Jesus. That means like this wasn't after the New Testament was written, okay? This is when Jesus was here and the gospels were just being formed. And so when Jesus says the scriptures speak of me, what he's saying is the book of Genesis speaks about who? Jesus. The book of Exodus speaks about who? Jesus. Like the scriptures point to Jesus. He's in every book of the Bible. So that's what we've been doing is focusing in and finding Jesus in each and every book. And today we're going to continue in that. But I, I'm challenging you and we just want to revisit this idea continually, perpetually. Please, on behalf of uh, you know, our heart together as a family to grow and become more spiritually mature as Christians I want to invite you on this journey of getting an old-fashioned leather Bible. Like, I know we're digital, and it's great to be digital, and, you know, it's, that's really great apparatus for me. I use it, I preach from it, but there's nothing that can replace having an heirloom. That's what our objective is in this. 
You, you know, understand. If, if you will take a Bible, start in the book of Genesis and just turn the page. Every day, turn the page. Write the date at the top. Thank you, by the way, for my birthday wishes and the birthday party between the two uh, services. Someone asked me if I was 25 because there was two five, and then somebody cheeky said, uh, I think they got the, the number switched around. You must be 52 years old. Unacceptable. Uh, I, I've been here for 25 years in ministry at this house, and I am 49 years old today. So uh, thank you for your birthday wishes, and I appreciate that very much. It's great. So let the record show, I'm just in my 40s. And so uh, this morning when I turned in my Bible where I'm reading, I actually wrote at the top of, of my page, uh, today I'm 49 years old. And so it's, you know, I dated it and put a little note up there. And, and uh, yesterday, uh, my father-in-law who's here, Gene and Beverly, great to have you guys here from Muskogee. Anybody ever heard that old hymn, I'm proud to be an Okie from Muskogee? And so uh, good to have you guys here. Yesterday was Gene's uh, birthday. And so you could put, you know, happy birthday, Gene. And so all you do is you turn the page and you make little notes about life. And what you wind up with is this incredible heirloom. You've read through Scripture and you're not always going to understand it, but this is the important thing about reading the Bible. Guys, you're not just feeding your brain, you're feeding your spirit. Okay, the Bible is spirit food. So even when you're reading things like the Levitical law, don't eat a ham sandwich, and you're thinking, what is this all about? Okay, it's ceremonial law of the, Levit- the Levit- Levitical, you say it five times, uh, priesthood. And uh, when you look at that in Scripture, it's not necessarily always going to make sense. And unless you dive in and understand what the Levitical priestly laws were of that era of time, don't disqualify the Bible just because you don't understand something. Okay, if you look in and see it, you'll understand very clearly why they were doing what they were doing. But as you're reading that, you might not always comprehend it with your brain, but just keep reading it and let it nourish your spirit and keep turning the page. And you have this wonderful heirloom. One day your children's children are going to hold your Bible in their hand. It's going to be fantastic. And so uh, I, I found this picture of a World War II vet. And imagine like if your grandfather carried his Bible through the war. And I mean, can you imagine the treasure that would be in your hands? And that's what really made me start thinking about this is profound. So however you want to do it, uh, you feel free to do it. We have a picture of uh, Savannah's Bible. Savannah did a great job, and I had uh, preached out of this scripture in Isaiah. And that Sunday, she went home and got all of her notes, and she wrote and put the little thing. You know, it's like Faith Illustrated that we've been helping our, our uh, teens get involved in and engage in. And she posted that online. So keep that up. Keep encouraging everybody. And if you put my uh, message in your Bible and post it online, then uh, Destiny will write you a check for 5000 uh, well, not exactly. I'll, I'll just leave that. So, here's the thing. You'll never leave a legacy until you first live a legacy. You have to live it before you can leave it. You have to live it before you can leave it. By the way, I'm not the only one with a birthday today. Sylvia Holmes having a birthday today. Deborah Sewell having a birthday today. Uh, Henderson, Gwyneth Henderson's having a birthday. I mean, this was a great day to be born. I'll just tell you that right now. So happy birthday to all of you having birthdays. Come on, let's hear it for all the birthday boys and girls. Excellent. (laughs) So you'll never leave a legacy until you first live a legacy, and it costs something to live a legacy, right? It costs you something to live a legacy. So I want to encourage you to engage in Scripture. And what we want to do is provide. And you'll be able to go 
Once we get through all of this, you'll be able to go to destinychristian.com. When you're reading a book of the Bible and you're saying, hey, here's something, you know, you can actually go online, find a message where we introduced each book. We're going through each book. Today is Ezra, Jesus and Ezra. And you'll be able to find the history and context of the book. It'll give you a better understanding when you're reading your own Bible. And that's our objective is to not just inspire you to love God, but to empower you to love Him actively in your own everyday life. So really important that we uh, get that. And uh, in the book of Ezra, we see Jesus in a lot of ways. We see Jesus all throughout Scripture in different people. We see Him in different expressions. Every book of the Bible speaks of Jesus. Jesus Himself said the Scriptures point to Him, and so we're discovering where that is. Here are a few places Jesus is tip, uh, typified, or we see the type of Christ. He's typified by uh, Zerubbabel in Ezra 4, who is the rebuilder of the temple. Okay, Jesus is uh, the rebuilder of the church. He's constantly trying to build us together. The church isn't the building. I'm thankful for our building. It's great when we got to move in here, but the church is the people. You're not called to a place. You're called to a people. We're a tribal unit together, and every church has its tribes within the church, and you need to identify with your tribe. Now, listen very carefully. Just showing up and gathering as a general church is not what God wants you to do. You can show up and gather in a lot of general gatherings. That's not what God wants you to accomplish. You're never going to discover His heart or desire for church if that's what you do. You've got to discover your tribe within the church. There are people that you connect to personally within the church family. Because we're not called to a place, we're called to a people. So discover that. Interface with those individuals. Invest time with people. It's called community group. It's called this personal relationship, breakfast, lunch, Starbucks, whatever, you know, however you want to do that. But Jesus is typified in Zerubbabel as a rebuilder of the temple. He's constantly trying to reconstruct our lives. He's typified in Ezra. Ezra is an interesting character, obviously central to the book of Ezra. He loved the Word. He studied the Word. He was all about the Word and prayer. And he was not only about learning the Word, but he was about teaching the Word. And this is really such a great tip, uh, typification of Christ. And, and Ezra's heart and desire was to see God's kingdom come to the earth. And so that's what this whole book lays out and sees. And these next three weeks is really what's going to be about is restoration. And I believe God wants to restore some things. So you're going to see this Word a lot through the book of Ezra, Nehemiah, and Esther, because all three of those books are like God restoring and replenishing. And you need to understand like how desperate these people were. 70 years of captivity, 70 years of bondage. They had been conquered uh, by Babylon, 70 years of bondage, and now suddenly there's hope. And this is what this is about. Ezra is all about restoring hope. That's your first blank. If you write that in, Ezra is all about restoring hope. Now, I really believe that uh, it's entirely possible that just as we see the Israelites a season of, of terrible sadness being met with incredible hope, then uh, I think that there's some people here, maybe in your life, you're really dealing with some incredible sadness. Like 70 years of you know, is there going to be any type of change? Whatever your 70 years is. Like, I've just decided this is the way it is in my married life. I've, I've just decided this is the way it is in our money. I've just decided this is the way it is in my career. I've just decided this, I'm settling for the way it's just, that's just how it is. I just have to live this way for the rest of my life. And I just want to say, 
God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above and beyond all you can ask or imagine. There's a credible hope that can conquer any giant and move any mountain out of your way. God has a good plan, and he wants us to rise up in faith. So let's do that. Why don't you rise up in celebration and faith right now? Come on, let's just declare it. We just rise up and declare there's some mountains being removed. There are some giants to be slain in the name of Jesus. This is the hope, and this is the focus that we move into in this particular season. Just point out, when you think about the builders in the Bible, we don't necessarily think of Ezra, though he was an expert builder. We think of Nehemiah. But the interesting thing is, Ezra was more about the spiritual building. Nehemiah was more about the practical side. And both are so very important. This is something the Lord's taught us over the years. Folks, your spiritual life has a practical side. You cannot have a healthy spiritual life without having a practical side to your spiritual life. Guess what? You cannot have a healthy practical life if you don't have a healthy spiritual side to your practical life. We need to learn to keep our spiritual life practical, and we need to learn to keep our practical life spiritual. Ezra is a spiritual builder, starting with the altar. Nehemiah is this practical builder, going to build the walls of the city, and that was where he started. It was a really interesting thing. We'll see kind of how that lays out. There are even two prophets that were uh, speaking into and encouraging in this time, and those prophets were Haggai and Zechariah. And, uh, and again, we see that same dynamic there, which we'll talk about a little more next week. Let's start in with Ezra chapter 1, verses 1 to 2. And this is such an important crux of the whole <coughs> layout of where we're going. In the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia. Who is he? Cyrus is the king of Persia. He's a Gentile, okay? In the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, in order to fulfill the word the Lord had spoken by Jeremiah... The Lord moved the heart of Cyrus to make a proclamation. Gentile, God moved his heart. And this is what he said. The Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he has appointed me to build a temple for him at Jerusalem in Judah. Gentile, Persian, not a Jew, not a descendant from Abraham, this is, this is somebody who, like, they don't understand the law. They don't understand the belief structure. Their beliefs are pagan. Their beliefs are contrary to those that are part of God's family. And, and, and yet, somehow, God took the heart of this king, held it in his hand, and moved it like it was waters that he was navigating. Does anybody know the verse I'm referencing in the book of Proverbs? The heart of the king is in the hand of God, and he navigates it whatever way he wishes. How many know God is in control? I know we want to just freak out over circumstances and situations, and, and oh my God, oh my God, who's going to get elected? And, and do you have your candidate yet? I mean, it's like hard to figure out who you even want to win these days. And so you're, you're looking at this, what we need is another Bush, what we need is another Clinton, what we need is a brand new thing, what we need, what do you, you know, we need Jesus for president. Let me just say that first and foremost, all right? Jesus for president. <laughs> Jesus. Jesus for president. I mean, if somebody will just devote their heart and surrender to him, he will bring us where we need to be. But let me just say, church, we need to stop all this political bickering. Let me, say, let me tell you, Democrats and Republicans should be able to worship Jesus together and not let their political nonsense divide the body of Christ. Yeah, I'm going to say that a lot over the next several months, and I expect a whole lot of response. Help me on that. 
Because I promise you one of the attacks of the devil is to get us to be divided over worldly issues so that God's kingdom can never have entrance into this land. He's a bigger God than that. So here this king, I mean, this wasn't the king people wanted, yet he was making a decree. How did that happen? This is a really important portion of Scripture for us, particularly in the world that we live in, in the era that we're in right now. So, so first I want to say, first and foremost, ladies and gentlemen, you can trust the Bible. You need to celebrate the statement I'm about to make every time it's made from anybody that stands on this platform, and every time I make it, I always tell you, you need to celebrate this statement. The Bible is a trustworthy expression from God. You can trust it. You can believe it. It's inerrant. It's infallible. It's word from God. We believe everything about the word of God. The Bible is true. You can believe it. And and let me just give you one reason why. There are a lot of reasons, and I do a whole dissertation on apologetics and the logical reasons why we believe what we believe and, you know, the basis of Scripture. But but let's just say, if if I could tell you, um, let's just say James is going to be, by the way, James, during worship, I just felt the Lord was saying, you're actually going to, uh, you're going to be a conversationalist with what you do. You're going to be gifted coach, trainer. Somehow you're going to use your conversation very intentionally as a part of the call of God in your life in days to come. So, so I'll pick on you as, as a prophetic voice right now because some of what you're going to do, I believe, is going to have a great prophetic expression in your life. So uh, James is going to stand over here and he's going to say, in 161 years, uh, this building is going to be rebuilt, and a president by the name of Eugene Peterson is going to give the decree to rebuild the building. 161 years. How many of you would say, uh, rebuild the building? Okay, we've got a building standing. Is there a reason we need to rebuild the building? Okay, number one. Number two, 161, somebody named Eugene. Uh, I'm not sure I understand where he's coming from. How many of you know that when you start listening to God, uh, people will think you're crazy? Have you figured that out? Two-thirds of God is odd, so <laughs> this kind of, you're stuck with this element. of. I mean, when you start hearing the Lord, and it really is God's plan, for you to hear the Lord, then not everybody's always going to get you. But what I'm actually describing to you is precisely what happened in Isaiah's day. And I don't have the verses for you here, but you can look them up if you like. It's the end of chapter 44 and the beginning of chapter 45 in the book of Isaiah. And so as you're studying this, read, study it out. But Isaiah actually gave a command. This is bizarre. Isaiah pops up one day, just like James just did, and he says, Uh, one named Cyrus is going to come onto the scene and he is going to give the command to rebuild the temple. Now, here's the thing. The temple was standing. So this prophet from God is hearing a word from God that's not going to happen for almost 200 years. That means he's giving a prophetic word like before Cyrus is even born and then one named Cyrus is born, and then one named Cyrus becomes king, and then one named Cyrus gives the decree. We just read about it in Ezra chapter 1. The decree that was prophesied almost 200 years earlier came to pass by somebody by the name, that decree, and the temple had been destroyed, and now it was going to be rebuilt. Do you understand what that is saying? I mean, God, like, knows the future. Isn't that wild? How many know God knows the future? 
I mean, it really behooves us to spend some time alone with God because like, do I marry this person? Do I not marry this person? Do I take the job offer? Do I not take the job offer? Should we move? Should we not move? God knows what's going to happen. So take some time to pray and have conversation with God and let him lead, guide, and direct you. I want to say let God speak to your hearts, men and women of God. Rise up and be the army God's called you to be. And when we look, nobody claps alone. Thank you, Shay. Nobody claps alone. It's kind of like the man rule here at Destiny. If you clap, we clap with you. We join you together. Walk the dog, Bishop. You can, the Word of God deserves response. Uh, so, you know, this is amazing because we see in Scripture this whole idea, this whole element of God revealing so many things supernaturally that were spoken and written, and that's why we trust the Bible so much. Because like that prophecy, it's clearly recorded historically prior to that coming to pass. And very specifically, it came to pass. So this is the same God who softened this pagan king Cyrus' heart. That's the same God who softened this Babylonian king Nebuchadnezzar's heart. You know the story. It's the same God who reaches into every situation and somehow orchestrates that his kingdom would come to pass. And our prayers facilitate God's hand in our world. Do you believe your prayers make a difference? Do you think our prayers make more of a difference than probably we realize? I think if we could see what was actually happening when we prayed and the battle that was being unleashed in heaven, I think we'd pray a whole lot more. And God really is at work. Like we, one of our elders, Jason Shifley, he came to me uh, years ago before he was any, even an elder. And he had graduated from college and he got this job. And like he worked for this guy. This guy was a total jerk. And uh, how many of you have ever worked for a total jerk? If you're on staff here, please don't raise your hand. But if you, you've worked for a total jerk, you know what that's like. And so here, here is... Uh, here is, you know, this guy, and, and he's just a total jerk to Jason. Jason comes and he says, Pastor, can you just pray that God will intervene in this situation? And, and let me tell you what happened. We began to pray, and it was like within 30 days. This is crazy. Within 30 days. So here's Jason. Here's Jason's boss, who's a jerk. We'll call him just straight up jerk. Jason, jerk, jerk's boss. Okay? So the boss of jerk came to visit Jason. And he said to Jason, Jason, we're maneuvering some things in the company, and we've seen great potential in what you've been able to do in your department. And so we're wanting to give you a promotion. Would you be willing to take another level of responsibility? To which Jason said, sure. And so the boss took Jason and took him to the level of the jerk. And he said, jerk, uh, this is Jason. He's now your boss. I just want to say, nothing changes your boss's attitude like making him your subordinate. I mean, God really helped Jason in that situation. Do you understand? I, I mean, I don't, even, I don't know how all of it works. I don't claim to know how all of it works. I'd rather die in faith than to live in doubt. I want to rise up and believe God. I want to worship my God. I want to fast, pray, get in the Word. Join the body of Christ. Let's see God's kingdom advance in the earth. Let's do everything we can. 
I mean, it's a guy left his wife in our church, left his wife, and, and, and he just said, I'm just finished with her. She's got a horrible attitude. I'm done. And I was just like, no, you can't do that. I mean, you're married. You've got a child. I mean, you're throwing so much away. So that's it. I'm over. The, the lady came. She said, please, I want you to stay. I mean, it was this big thing, and, 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 and he left. He was gone. She said, Pastor, I, I'm not giving up on my marriage. And I said, then I'm not either. And we began to pray, and we began to fast and pray. I, I, I'm just going to tell you, God's calling me to re- very strategically fast and pray. And I want to challenge you as a church. My fast and pray day is Thursday. And every week, I'm going to assign my fasting and praying to something very specific. I'm not going to waste being hungry. I'm going to fast and pray, and I'm going to assign it to something specific. And I invite you, let's get serious about this thing and declare God's kingdom is going to advance in the earth. And we began to fast, and we began to pray. And this guy, he was like, no way. I'm not, I mean, forget it. I would try and talk with him. No way. And about, I don't know, two, three weeks passed, and one Saturday morning, my phone rang. It was 9 o'clock in the morning, and he said, Pastor Lawrence, can we meet? I don't know what's going on, but I woke up this morning, and I just thought, the first thing that came to mind, what are you doing? And he said, will she take me back? Do you think she'll take me back? I just want to tell you the story concluded where she took him back, they got back together, and now they not only have one child, but they have two children, and their marriage is strong, and God is able, and I want to just give you hope today. Some of you are in a situation lacking hope. I want to give you hope today. God can do so much if we're willing to allow him to do it. This whole thing, like Jerusalem had been in in shambles. It had been destroyed. Seventy years of discouragement met with a word from God being fulfilled. But here's this incredible progression. When you look at this, God, and you see this in Ezra, this is the spiritual builder, Nehemiah is the practical. But Ezra, what we see is this is the progression of rebuilding. Altar first, temple, city, wall. First we build the altar, then we build the temple, then we build the city, then we build the wall. This is the progression. Now, when you think about rebuilding a city, it's likely that the last thing you think about is rebuilding the altar. But I just want to say, with God, the altar is where it always begins. The altar is a very important place in your life. Don't neglect the altar. Find a place where you're alone with God, seeking God. The altar is vitally important for you as a man of God, as a woman of God. It's finally important for you as a family. That was one of your blanks, by the way. Did you get that? With God, the altar is always where it begins. And by the way, if you miss this, and I won't get to all my notes, especially when we're doing this book by book, but you can hit the blog, destinychristian.com, and, and it'll have all the notes there for you to look, peruse through. Oh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a year older today. I'm not preaching quite as strong as I, I did last week. So, here's the thing, when you get the altar of your, how many of you gave your life to Jesus before? Can I just see? You receive Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, and you know as well as I do, once you give your life to Jesus, everything is a-okay. No more problems, no more worries, right? I mean, it's amazing that that's like being taught. I mean, you want, you want to understand what trouble is, get into a fight. And if you want to get into fulfilling your destiny, come to know Jesus. And that's when the devil's going to really resist you. 
Now, there's one greater than the devil who's fighting for you. He's an undefeated king. He's fighting on your behalf. That's the beauty of this thing. But you need to understand, just because it's God's will doesn't make it easy, okay? Faith makes things possible, not easy. So we see this, Ezra chapter 4, verse 1, all of a sudden now they're building this decree camp. I mean, this is exciting, like the prophecy's fulfilled, the pagan has given the decree, and then we see this, the enemies of Judah and Benjamin heard that the exiles were building a temple for the Lord, and, and problems began. You read the chapter about how all the problems, they threw all kinds of wrenches in. At the conclusion of this chapter, Ezra 4, it says, thus the work on the house of God in Jerusalem came to a standstill. What a sad part of this book. It's all exciting. We're going to move forward. Are you kidding me? I thought we were moving forward. I want to say again, just because it's God's will doesn't make it easy. I mean, it's, it's like, I got a promotion. How many of you ever got a job promotion before? And you were so excited until you found out all the stuff you were going to be responsible for after getting that promotion. How many of you are like, I'm getting married. And then like, you get married and, and, and that's not what you thought was going to get, you know? It's like, I'm, your mama might have been your maid, but I'm not your mama. Pick up your underwear, boy. I mean, the relationship, you got to, you know, coach this thing along, and it's like, there are going to be times you're going to have opposition. Things are, you're going to be met with opposition. How are you going to respond? Challenges are inevitable. Courage is optional. Rise up and step out in the supernatural dimension, believing God. So uh, I thought this would be kind of fun to illustrate this this way. And, and just to celebrate, uh, Jennifer stepped out. Oh, she's helping over there. Isn't that sweet? This is mi amigo Alberto. Alberto's muy loco. Uh, Alberto's very gifted artist, and he did a little drawing this week. I thought we'd share it with you. Lorenzo. It's a great name for a baby, Lorenzo. Just pray about that. Ask the Lord. They're having a baby. Isn't that exciting? Like Jeff and Crystal, they're having a baby. Like, and Jeff, how old are you, Jeff? I mean, he's like older than I am. I mean, they're having a baby. People are having babies. That's exciting. And we had like other babies born. I, we've got a couple of pictures we wanted to celebrate. Chelsea and Antonio, Antonio they had their baby. This little Liam, isn't he cute? Isn't he sweet? I know we've got, uh, oh, fine, here we go. I finally get to announce with you in here. And so uh, Gabriel and Allison, congratulations. Here's little Oliver, isn't he cute? 
so cute. All the oohs and ahs, it's amazing. It's like, we're having a baby. I mean, babies are so awesome. We're so excited we're having a baby. And then it's like, I need some sleep. <laughs> and then it's like, I need a wet wipe. Let's just show this. This is, I got this from a dad right here in the church. <laughs> <laughs> just last week I get that and it's like God help us all how do we go from oh, we're having a baby to God help us all I feel pooped dealing with all this I mean all this stuff life has its challenges so just a few weeks we've got Haley and Sean Sean here we're celebrating oh he's at work this morning tell him we celebrate Haley and Sean I want you to whoo Woo, baby, look at that, getting married. <laughs> Haley's been a great part of our team, leadership. Thank you. We bless you and stand with you and excited. Just two weeks away, she'll be married. And whenever she said, We're, I want to get married, and I said, you're going to read four books. This is premarital counseling here at Destiny. You're going to write a budget. You're going to write a mission statement. We're gonna, you're not just preparing for a, a, a wedding. You're preparing for a marriage, and we're going to walk this thing out. And, and so once she, you know, like, get married, and then went to this real fast, uh, she ah. <laughs> How many of you know Bridezilla shows up when you get close to the wedding, right? I mean, life just has these challenges, and they're constant. And so it's crazy because we see this all throughout Scripture. We see this in the book of Ezra. Like the work on the house of God stopped. Seventy years in bondage. A prophecy came from God. Thank God a prophecy came. Like we're going to rebuild. It's going to be awesome. I can't believe a pagan king who doesn't have anything to do with the law issued the decree. Are you excited? Yes, we're excited. Let's build. And then the enemies show up. Come on. There are going to be enemies to your destiny. And you need to be willing to fight. You need to be willing to fight. And I'm calling you to another level of the fight. It's awesome to break through on a new level. But listen, our mindset is like new level is the place where we get to, and, oh my God, we finally got here. Like we're, we're retiring here. This is, woo, it was so hard down on that other level. Now we finally broke through. Thank God I finally am in a place where I don't have to do anything anymore. It's like that's the mindset. When you break through, folks, you just picked a fight on a brand new level with brand new devils. You better know your God strong where you were and start to know him now where you are because there's another place he's going to take you, and we're going every level God wants us to go, every place. So, even when God is in control, it doesn't mean there's not a fight. God is in control. That doesn't mean there's not a fight. But you need to understand the difference between the fight to which you are invited and the fight to which you are called. Fill in your, your blank. There's a difference. You need to know the difference between the fights to which you are invited and the fights to which you're called. Wisdom understands I don't have to attend every argument to which I get an invitation. How many of you have ever been driving down the road and you got an invitation to an argument when they cut you off? That has nothing to do with your destiny. It will waste the resource and energy of your entire morning. I mean, it's just one illustration, but we tend to just step into every little argument that comes our way like we're just supposed to fight all these arguments. Uh -uh. Know the difference between fights which you're invited and fights which you're called. And if it has to do with your call, step up. But understand 
They didn't fight in Ezra's day the way the world would fight. They didn't rally the troops to go battle this king. You said there'd be a decree, and now you're saying there's not going to be building, and we're going to fight you. That's not what they did. In fact, this is interesting because we see it in, as it continues in Scripture, Ezra 7, verse 6. Here's the breakthrough. It says, Ezra came up from Babylon... He was a teacher, well-versed in the law of Moses. Remember, type of Christ, learned the word, taught the word. It says, the king granted him everything he asked. Now remember, it all stopped. First it started, then it stopped, and now it says, the king granted him everything he asked, for the hand of the Lord his God was on him. How did he get everything he asked for? We read about it in verse 7. It says, Ezra had devoted himself to study and the observance of the law of the Lord and to the teaching of its decrees. Ezra had been in a place of prayer. Hey, Ezra had been in a place of prayer. Teenagers, your parents unreasonable? How do I deal with these parents? They just don't get it. If you start adversarially fighting them, then you're probably going to bring a fight that you don't want to have. Take it before the Lord and ask God for wisdom. You know what? God can direct us. I mean, I'm just telling you, I, we had a very challenging conclusion to our pet. Whisper was our little American Eskimo, puffy, fluffy little dude. And man, he was like, he was my baby. Anybody have a dog that is your baby? And, and, and Whisper came to the end of his life, and it was a very tragic uh, conclusion for me, very traumatic. I was the one that had to hold him while he was having congestive heart failure through the night and took him in the next day and held him while we uh, you know, had him put to sleep. And, and, and I, it just ripped my heart out. And out of that, I reacted. I said, here's the new rule. How many of you know we tend to make rules out of our pain? Here's the new rule. No more pets. Ain't going to happen. And so that was the rule. How many of you know daddy rules... Our daddy rules, but God rules. And I'd say, no more pets. And my girls kept saying, Dad, we want a dog, we want a dog. I said, no more pets. Like, shut up. <laughs> no more pets. <laughs> Ain't going to be a conversation. <laughs> and all I was doing was talking out of my pain. Dad, we want a dog, we want a dog. No. Tracy came, honey, the girls really want a dog. No. No more pets. And then I, like, show up here, and my kids are in class with the teachers, and the teachers are in devotions, and they're saying... Man, we've been praying every day that dad will soften his heart. And yet, I'm just like, oh my, I'm fighting against God. I don't know how it happened, but man, do I love Copper. He's the cutest little weenie dog. Come on. There's a fight, but the fight needs to be fought in the right place. Kings don't need adversarial reactions from Christians coming in and saying, we're going to conquer you or those kings will squash. Because God doesn't ever liberate us to fight in the terms of, of the world's fight. And I'm not saying there's not a time to take up arms. I understand. Ecclesiastes says there's a time for war. Okay, I understand that. But my point is, folks, you and I need to be men and women of the altar, men and women who pray, men and women who believe. I, I mean, whoever leads this country, whoever wins this 2016 election, do you know that there was a guy and he used to actually go around killing Christians and God knocked him off his horse one day and gave him a heart for God and instead of killing Christians, then he was willing to die for the cause of Christ and that dude wrote like two-thirds of the, of the New Testament of Scripture, Saul of Tarsus, who came to know 
God. I mean, come on. God can turn anybody around. God can turn your situation around. So Lord, speak to our hearts right now. I just believe there's some situations in this room that we just feel overwhelmed by. I just feel the Lord asking me, if that's you, just stand to your feet. I want to pray for you if that's you. Just you stand to your feet if you're here and you say, I'm, I'm dealing with a situation, I just feel overwhelmed by it. I'm asking you to stand in a new grace today. I'm asking you to stand in a new anointing today. God wants to put this mantle on you as you stand to your feet. Join these that are standing. We just agree in Jesus' name. The situation that seems to be overwhelming. The, the whole temple lies in ruins. The prophecy came and now it's all stopped. Everything looked like it was moving where it was supposed to move. You know, I, I just, I believe that there are some people that just, I mean, it's great, you know, I, I, can, I can just kind of move on. It's all fine. People are standing up. But I, I feel the Lord just challenging me. There's some of you that you're wrestling with this, and there really is a new grace to come upon you by your response to Him. If that's you, just stand to your feet. Don't wrestle with God. Just get there. Man, God wants to do something in our hearts and lives if we're just willing to let Him do what He desires to do. Father, just let your grace rest upon us. We feel the tension of the fight. When we think about the adversarial circumstances and situations that seem to be hemming us in and holding us back, something so deep within us that just wants to react. And I pray, God, that you would reach even deeper than that, than that. And you would help us respond. Your grace and your anointing would rest upon us. These that have stood to their feet, I pray, God, right now, there'd just be this incredible mantle that would rest upon them. They would move forward in the things that you have in store in Jesus' name. Come on, let's all stand in agreement with these that have, have stood to their feet right now. Father, we stand in agreement as a mighty force. None of us in this room have this all figured out. Every one of us in this room are desperately in need of a Savior to help us walk through this next season and this next stage of our lives. But we just devote ourselves, Lord. First and foremost, we want to invite you, King Jesus, come into this room and rescue us. You're the Savior. And as we step into that place, Lord, teach us to make you Lord of our lives as we dig into Scripture, not to study and just increase in our knowledge of Scripture, but to increase in our knowledge of God. And every day we learn more what it is to love you and love others, to surrender to you, and discern the battles, walk out your plans. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Let me just say, it all begins at the altar. Jesus created the altar where every one of us can come. And we stand there on the same level, desperately needing Him. I don't care what you've done. I don't care what you've not done. Every one of us in the room are equally, fully sinful without Christ. There's nobody worse than... I don't, I don't know if you understand this. Nobody's worse than anybody else. Because the Bible says in James 4, when you've offended one point of the law... You've offended all of the law. So that means everybody who doesn't know Christ is completely, desperately lost without Him. The same. 
And then everybody who receives Christ is completely, totally righteous, like the righteousness of God, 2 Corinthians 5. It's just such a cool thing. So why don't you join me, and let's all just pray this declaration of the Lordship of Christ today. Would you join me? Maybe just posture your hands and surrender. We just want to surrender to Him. Let's say this out loud. Say it with me. Everybody in the room. Lord Jesus, you came. You lived. You died. But you're alive. You're risen from the grave. You are who you say you are. You're the Savior of the world. I need you to rescue me that you would be my Savior. Be Lord of my life. Teach me your ways. Forgive me where I've grown frustrated. Fill me with faith that I might more than conquer as I advance in your kingdom and love you and love others. Come on, let's celebrate this wonderful, generous, gracious, loving... You ought to celebrate like you're breaking through into new places today.